Hey guys, what you're about to hear is a interview I did with John Root. He's an independent content creator who does stuff on faith, culture, and sports. We touch on everything in, in terms of surrogacy, which is a really fun hotbed topic these days. We also touch on sports. We touch on Christless conservatives and how that's affecting our nation. We're not usually going to go into politics all the time on this podcast, but this is one of the times where we dove into it somewhat. It was a great conversation. If you don't know already, I am a Catholic. He's a Protestant, but that, to me, doesn't matter too much right now. We're all followers of Christ. We have the foundation in Christ, and that's sort of what I want this podcast to be, is where I, as a Catholic, can talk to Protestants, other Catholics, uh, Eastern Orthodox, whatever, about what's going on in today's society and how we can better improve just our closeness with Christ and improve our faith lives as a whole. And I think reducing the, the conversations we have with the other side, so to speak, is not a good thing. And I think we all need to come together, especially with the age that we're living in, where it's very secular and a lot of degeneracy is happening. I think a, a common phrase that I've been hearing thrown around, which I think is what needs to be happening, is when the enemy's at the door, feuding brothers need to reconcile. And that's what I feel like is happening in today's day and age. You have a lot of evil that's going on in the world with just the push of a lot of secularness. And uh, you can see there's a lot of workings of Satan, so to speak. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you all will. So let's just get right into this conversation. Here we go. And I'm here with John Root. Thank you, John, uh, for being here. I, I greatly appreciate you for hopping on this little podcast. You were actually the first one that reached out on Twitter when I put a whole thread of people that I wanted to talk to, specifically you, because you, you have a lot of commentary on faith and politics sometimes and a lot of sports stuff, which I, I find really interesting, just the the juxtaposition of if you look in the past with sports and where it is now with all the, the agendas that are being pushed. So thank you for coming on. And uh, if you want to give people your faith journey of how you came to Christ and uh, a little bit about yourself, feel free. Well, thanks for reaching out to me on X, formerly known as Twitter. I know that's always, I mean, anytime really people ask me to come on and do a podcast or whatever, I, I'm happy to do it. So this is mm -hmm. fun. Like I've been through the grind. Um, trying to get all the guests and just kind of reaching out to people. And I'm really glad that I saw that. But, you know, a quick breakdown of who I am for people that don't know. I'm an independent content creator. So I worked in sports media for a little less than a decade. So I worked for the Sharks, uh, Golden State Warriors organization, did some stuff with NBC Sports. So I was a host and reporter while I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area. And then I ended up getting canceled. Most people, I think, that share, uh, most importantly, Christian values and then some conservative values. There's cancellation, and that cancel culture has just run rampant. I went to the gym out here when it was legal in Arizona to go to the gym without a mask. Mm. And just took a gym mirror selfie, kind of joked around a little bit, like, hey, these never look good, but, and I never take these, but if I do, it's to celebrate the fact that we can decide for ourselves. Like, there was nothing about, hey, this whole thing is fake or this, that, and the other thing. It was just like, no, I'm glad that I get to decide for myself and everybody else here. And then you would have thought that there was 55 dead people um, in that selfie in the background in that gym. But I was just, I got let go from a company called Fanatics. People probably bought their sports merchandise or their jerseys uh, through Fanatics. Uh, it's a company that I had a relationship with for years. And then from there, I found my way to Turning Point USA. I was there for just about three years. And, you know, that was a, that was an interesting situation, but a massive blessing, loved being there, 
the way it ended, I think, was tough uh, because I think for me, more, uh, most importantly, I, I bow down to the altar of, of Jesus Christ, not to conservatism or any other idol. And I, I think there was some directions that were going specifically in faith that I just didn't really care for. Uh, not even me not caring for it was I don't believe that it was biblically centered or could be backed up biblically. And um, that's where I kind of moved on. And I'm like, I'm going fully, fully independent and I'm going to be doing my thing uh, here. And I cover faith, sports and political and cultural topics. And, you know, God's done an amazing work in my life. Uh, I'm reformed. Um, and, you know, the five solas uh, all day, baby. And <laughs> it's like God's done an amazing work in my life to understand uh, really who he is through his word and providing some incredible mentors. Like I've done some work with G3, um, good friends with the cross politic guys. I know the guys over at Apologia. So I try kind of like jumping into all these different camps, learning from these people. There's a Christian nationalist conversation happening over here. There's the sovereignty of God conversation happening there. It's the, how do we get involved in the public square, uh, as Christians here? And I'm learning a lot. Uh, I don't pretend to be the end all be all of theological topics. There's so many other people that people can go to for great apologetics. I cover apologetics and I hope that people see that in my content, but, uh, you know, grew up in a Christian home. I think I had an understanding of like who God was, uh, but didn't really have much of a relationship with him because I didn't really dive into the word. I felt like I needed to kind of just follow a bunch of rules. And if I follow those rules, those in turn would make me a good person. And then you read the word and you're like, well, dude, those works that you think are pretty good are basically like filthy rags within themselves. So, um, yeah, throughout that process, um, you know, I got I decided to be baptized. I got baptized when I was younger, but I decided after. Uh, my freshman year at Azusa Pacific University, where I played football, such a blessing to play football there. Love, love that team. We've been undefeated for uh, about three years now because the football team is no longer around. But that's always a joke that people enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in general, I, I loved it there. Uh, God did an amazing work through through my life, and it wasn't like I um, was really super well grounded theologically. And still, there's always that sanctification process we're going through. But I uh, got baptized and had a had a clear understanding of you know the way I should be living my life and really who God is and what I'm doing this for. And then now, for some reason, God's given me a platform on Instagram, Twitter, and then I cover a little bit of stuff on on YouTube uh, to really share the gospel, mm -hmm. share some hot takes too. Uh, and be able to cover the other side of sports because I still cover sports uh, mostly from a uh, a non woke perspective, from a Christian uh, conservative perspective, because sports have been infiltrated with with wokeness and uh, godlessness. So that's the roundabout, short answer, long. <laughs> what was there something that because uh, you seemed like you were a little um, you went away from the faith a little bit. At least that's what it sounded like. Or were you always sort of circumventing? your faith and finally something clicked with you that tied it all together where you wanted to dive completely headfirst in. Cause you know, there's people that are you know, on the outskirts. They say that I'm a Christian. They say they do uh, good things, but they don't really live their lives like Christians or they don't have the values that w would flow from being a Christian. Was there something that sort of clicked with you? Or like, Oh, I'm actually doing this, uh, this wrong. I'm not living my life though, as a follower of Christ, or was it 
kind of uh, just all of a sudden just was okay with it and just wanted to go more deep in depth, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because I wouldn't say I walked away from the faith. I just don't believe that I understood who, who God was and who he was through his word. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I didn't understand the relationship. Um, and I didn't understand theology. I don't think there was a complete commitment and understanding of his sovereignty. Um, and full understanding that, I, um, that I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Uh, so growing up in a Christian home, I believe I did the right things, but that's not what Christianity is. It's not about being a good person. It's about surrendering fully, um, laying down my life in order to actually have life. And obviously that looked different from years past. Many people have been martyred for the faith. So I'm not saying that I was giving up uh, my life in, in that sense, but there got to an understanding of, you know, when I'm in worship services and during that time throughout like junior high and high school and, um, you know, the mighty work that I think God did th- through me uh, in and through me through worship was this is not something I should want to skip and then geek out on the sermon. You know, he is deserving of my worship. It doesn't matter what my voice is like because he knows what my voice is like. And he doesn't say only people who have pretty good voices and aren't completely tone deaf like you, John, should sing. Like, <laughs> No, like he's deserving my worship in not just song, but every sense of the word. And an understanding of knowing that like, this life is not about being a good person. A lot of people fall prey to that understanding of like, you know, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? You have to get to a clear understanding and a heavy understanding that there really are no good people. There's been one good person. That's Jesus Christ. And knowing that within ourselves and our sin nature, we deserve death and getting to that point where God saved me and understanding that God has, has saved me and who I need to live for. This is a free gift that I have accepted. There's nothing that I've done to earn this gift. I'm not someone that was putting in work and now saying, Hey God, where are my wages? Like, where is my salvation because of the good things that I have done? Um, and I think especially just through that sanctification process uh, from that freshman year uh, of college at Azusa Pacific, that doesn't mean that I, my whole life was really well put together, that I didn't make mistakes, that I haven't been sinning. But I think once you realize that you're saved, there's a disgust of that sin. And that perpetual sin is not happening really Mm -hmm. anymore. And it's not unrepentant sin. So now here, it's just like, I want to filter everything through scripture. And I know every single time I take communion at, at church, there needs to be a clear and humble understanding that like, I will never, ever understand the sacrifice that you made for me, Jesus. I could never fathom the pain and the sorrow and the hurt uh, that you went through, but thank you. Uh, and help remind me of what you have done for me. Um, and it's not because of anything that I do. It's because of what you've done and what you've accomplished. So it's been, it's been a wild process, you know, from there, they're just like really learning to, I'm getting married this next year. I'm so excited. Oh, congratulations. About it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, you know, I'm finally, finally found someone silly enough to say, John, I'll spend the rest of my life with you. <laughs> and like Sarah, sometimes it's difficult. <laughs> Sarah's, she's just beautiful inside and out. And, you know, through the process of 
understanding God's word. That's the only way I'm really going to know how to be the best husband, be the best protector and provider and leader and not be an authoritarian figure, but be an authority figure as God mm -hmm. has established it uh, and build her up and uh, do everything I should be doing uh, as a man and hopefully leading into building a family and, you know, learning from other people that have gone through the process. So yeah, it's, it's been wild. I'm excited to continue to learn. And that's what I always want people to think too. It's like, there's so many Christian uh, influencers. I hate using the term influencer, but that's mm -hmm. the way people know it. Or just like, yeah. I like using the term like content creator, because I really do try to take time to put content together the way I think about formulating this kind of stuff and uh, the way I cut it up and share it. If you're getting some theology from me or some Bible from me, you need to make sure that what I'm telling you is correct. You do like, don't take my stuff and then just say like, well, John said it. It's like, no, it should be, oh, I might've heard it from John or I heard it from Adam, but I know that it can be uh, found in God's word. We're going to differ on some eschatology stuff and other like heavy theological things. But if I'm filtering some, something through scripture, so if I say that Candace Owens, when she uh, interviewed Andrew Tate and said, I wish you were still a Christian. And I, I come out and say, you're basically saying that he lost his salvation, that somehow Muhammad had plucked um, Andrew Tate uh, out of his hands. You're, not, you're now saying that God is not all powerful anymore. So I'll break that down. And then that needs to be explained scripturally. And people need to like, you can struggle with that. Um, but I believe what I'm saying here has to be backed up and hopefully people don't just take it at face value because I think that's what we need to hopefully have more pastors go up and preach and say like, we're going, I hope you got like an expository preacher. There's nothing wrong with some topical sermons at times, but if you're breaking down the word, like he's going to be held to account uh, by the elders and the congregation. So filter everything through scripture, especially with what I'm telling you or any other influencer or content creators telling you. That, that's a good, good breakdown. There's a lot, a lot to go on. Uh, there's um, one thing uh, I wanted to mention about the sanctification process, that if you are a, a new person coming to faith or Christianity, I just letting you know the sanctification process can be a little a bit of a struggle. Uh, you can get over those perpetual sins, and then God's going to show you another sin, like, oh, I w you weren't ready to, to face this sin. And now, now through the process of getting over this next one, um, normally that's when, at least that's my experience where uh, in the past I've struggled with say lust, for instance, and then uh, I finally get past that. And then now it's like, oh, you may have some anger issues or you get frustrated very easily. Maybe you, we need to start sorting that out in prayer. So anybody that's just thinks that like they, they're struggling constantly with perpetual sin, just know that it's, it's normal to, to struggle. It's just always coming back uh, to God and, and to give it to God in, in prayer. Um, and that's just one of the points that I wanted to mention. Um, but there's so many uh, good topics to tan gentle or tangent off of. I think the one that's sort of related uh, is the whole uh, filtering everything through the lens of Christ. And I think as a society, you probably agree with me, we've gone so far away from Christ, even the political parties, so to speak, that us Christians can sort of relate to. It's, I don't know, I, sometimes I don't even know if I 
am a part of that specifically just because it's like you hear some of the people that are gung-ho for it and you're you're it's hard to associate with some of them so to speak and one of the things that seemed like a fire was lit on twitter or x right i, I always get that forget i always forget um thanks for clarifying in, in there <laughs> earlier but is it just it, the whole surrogacy because there was a whole controversy of some conservative host having a, a shot well not ha having is not the right term gaining a child through the act of surrogacy and normally i don't look away from the camera but i need to read something off like the, the whole hub blue so it, this was from a tweet from ben zell zells Zelzloff? Zizloff. Yeah. Zizloff. Thanks for correcting me. I'm not good with names. The editor at Sentinel on X, he stated, quote, conservative commentator Guy Benson and his husband have now rented a womb to acquire a baby, a move which Dave Rubin is and his husband made as well. This is wicked and an abomination before God and should have absolutely no place in the conservative movement. And I think that is kind of spot on in terms of if you're a Christian, because it, it clearly states that that is an abomination. Now we can pray for those individuals. We can pray for the the two individuals to repent from their sins. You also want to pray for the child that they acquire, that the child is end up raised in a right way. It's just, it's very hard now with how much we've moved away. And, and I forget who says it in the political space in general. It's just like conservatism is just the lefties on in the speed limit or something along those lines, where it just seems like you're, you're slowly moving that direction. And in this case, it's just slowly moving towards secular nonsense where you're throwing away Christ. And you're seeing that with certain conservatives in the movement who portray themselves as Christians. And one of the, the, the ones response that I saw that I was kind of I rolled because this person, the the conservative that I, I thought was Christian at some point, but it's like probably like one of those neocon type stuff. Yep. The, the the type of person that is wants to be buddy buddy with the the secular people, but then send your people off to your your sons and daughters off to war. That type of person. Yep. That's and that uh, that bothers me too. And uh, I'm I'm almost going to send it to you. Don't worry. So he <laughs> said with no due respect. F off. Well, he didn't say F, but you know, uh, guy and his husband are going to be great parents. They don't need your permission to have a baby in the same way thousands of straight and gay couples do each year. He's a far better advocate for conservatism than you could ever be. And the question finally comes, what exactly are we conserving if we throw out all the values that this nation was founded on? We were founded on Christian values. So how can we conserve literally anything if we're just throwing away uh, Christ just to, you know, get more political percentage points. Yeah, first and foremost, I think Ben Zeisloff making sure that this is coming to light and in the forefront of people's minds and on X, I think is a great thing. I do some work with him over at the Sentinel. Uh, I do some some writing for them on sports topics. And just plain and simple, like, yes, it is an abomination. You are renting a womb. If you have decided you are um, you're a woman, married to a woman, a man married to a man. I do quotes there because that's not a marriage. I know plenty of people ask me like, well, why would you be maybe more okay of one man and one woman marrying, uh, but not being Christians than you would gay marriage. And like best case scenario for that one man and one woman, they're saved. They come to Christ. And that is one man and one woman in relationship together as God intended it. 
there is no redeeming qualities or any goodness that comes out of gay marriage. It's not a marriage. God designed marriage. We don't get to redefine marriage at all. Also, too, parenting was supposed to be between one man and one woman. That also does not disregard the struggle and the hurt and the pain that people go through because um, they lost their spouse or something along those lines where it turns into a single parent kind of situation. That's not what I'm saying. I know when I put out a tweet, I said that where like marriage was designed to be between one man and one woman. Parenting was designed to be between one man and one woman. Quite simply, gay marriage and gay parenting is an abomination. So kind of like jumping on that train with, with Ben, um, it's like, no, this needs to be talked about. Like you want to talk about Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale is a couple gay dudes married telling that woman we are going to rent your womb for nine months and then that kid is ours it's detrimental to the child Mm -hmm. uh, because they're being ripped away from their mother it's detrimental to the mother because you're now using um artificial insemination um to procreate not based off raising that child with a husband and it's detrimental for conservatives, and I'm going to keep using quote tweets because I really don't believe these people. This is really marriage. These people are really mm-hmm. conservative, and I don't believe they're really conserving anything foundational. If you're going to be okay with Dave Rubin and Guy Benson and these other people that are renting wombs and ripping that baby from that woman, no matter how uh, they've written on the dotted line, signed all this stuff, the woman was okay with that. It's like women are now saying. I'm okay with ripping a baby limb from limb through abortion. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make it okay just because it's their decision and the powers in their hands doesn't make it righteous. And now in conservatism, you bring up crisis conservatism that I touch on quite a bit. Crisis conservatism is feeling like we can have ultimate value, fulfillment, purpose, and a sense of revival to turn this country around without God or through a redefinition of God that can't be backed up or found in his word. So if you're talking about the conservative movement, if you're okay with gay marriage, you're no longer conserving marriage as God intended it. That foundational Mm -hmm. objective truth, that marriage is between one man and one woman. If you're okay with gay people renting wombs, you are now not conserving procreation as it was established, designed, and intended to be. If you're okay um, with these other aspects of LGBTQ issues, you're now saying that people can define what their sex is, who their partner can be, and the way that the family dynamic should be redefined. We don't get to redefine these things. God has already clearly defined this stuff. There's a moral objective truth that conservatives are moving away from. And that's why, too, like a lot of people are going to see on my platform. If you have someone like Donald Trump, who I will say I voted for him twice. I don't regret it. I know I've had plenty of conversations with people online, Um, like out in the open publicly. uh, He's not my first choice right now. I'm more DeSantis. uh, And I've had plenty of good, agreeable conversations with people. But as of right now, the reason I bring this up, not saying because DeSantis is just uh, 
the moral foundation that he's got everything right. But if Trump is going to come out and say, I don't know about signing a 15 week abortion ban and that signing heartbeat bills is terrible, that he can't clearly define if a man can become a woman or answer that fairly quickly. If he comes out and says like, well, I was never going to have Mexico pay for the wall, uh, you know, all these different things. It's like, hold on, let's go back to the abortion topic and let's go back to the family topic. There's nothing conservative about that whatsoever. Uh, you're not you're not conserving anything. And if you're saying that we might need a compromise um, to get some people maybe in the middle or on the left on our side and say killing babies is worth keeping um, Trump in power, that's when we start having a real Christian conversation to say, hey, if he's going to be on the ballot, yes, I still think he's better than Newsom. Uh, Biden or whoever else Democrats are going to throw out there, but we have to hold these people's feet to the fire. That's mm. disgusting. If you're going to say that killing innocent babies who have innate value and worth is something that should be sacrificed in order to have some uh, Republican or conservative or MAGA power, that is wrong in every moral standard. Because it essentially comes back to uh worshiping your yourself at the end of the day because you're looking at how can we get or worshiping the party or whatever you want to call it but as how can we get more power how is it all about us and you're able to you're willing to compromise your values to get that and it, it just makes it just very frustrating and i think touching on the abortion topic along with surrogacy it seems like it's the same kind of conversation where it's you're no one's taking into account the unborn child's rights i think we uh, christians can all agree that the child has a right one to live and two has a right to be with the the mother that it grew in the, the there's so many probably so many scientific things that we don't even understand yet of all the connections that are being made with the mother and the son i mean you could see that it's like clear it, it, with your eyesight you don't need to study just the the connection that a mother has with their baby like you the mother can somehow sense right before a baby is about to cry for instance i've seen that happen or it, it just, it's just crazy the the intertwinedness of uh the mom and the baby that the baby should have a right to be with the the mother it grew in and it's just it's just very sad to see and it just seems like it's the natural pattern throughout history when people throw away god bad things tend to happen now you could be a christian and say god judged that nation or if you're from uh, for some reason uh, an atheist agnostic thank you for being here but if you're listening you could say it's just because in the end us humans we want to worship something and we're going to replace god the goodness of god with something else that's not even going to come close because nothing can replace god and his goodness and then you know all heck or hell breaks loose and that we're seeing that now and it's just it's really unfortunate and i'm sure you got the the cherry pickness of uh with the um talking about the marriage and surrogacy and renting i'm sure you got the the nitpickers of well what if somebody it's a it's a widower or what if you know that's what these conversations always devolve into is the cherry picking of specific scenarios you see that with the abortion debate of the the rare cases that do happen and it's just very frustrating that we're uh, living in this time where you you could sense the the evilness so to speak in the air of 
this country and throughout the world. It's how do you, as a follower of Christ, how do you um, combat that in this day and age? Yeah, and I think that's where we need to team up together. There's plenty of times where Satan wants us to feel isolated, like, oh, at your workplace or in your friend group or in your family, like, you got to be that lone person, that lone ranger. It's only you that thinks that way. It's like not everybody has to be a big influencer and content creator and put a phone in front of your face and talk about this stuff. There's plenty of beautiful things and important things and righteous things that people are doing behind the scenes where they can't show their face. And it just isn't a smart thing to do. But hopefully we start speaking up and realizing the long game here if we keep compromising and we allow ourselves to idolize a political party, politicians, um, influencers, um, celebrities, whatever it may be, we're going to get to a point where it's like, it's either you're following Christ and people that point you to Christ, or you're following the world and you're on the pathway to destruction. It's as, it's as simple as that. So when people bring up too, like, there's plenty of great work that people are doing at abortion mills. Like Ben is one of those people, Ben Zizloff, um, that had that tweet go viral. Apologia is doing great. I know there's a lot of like abolition groups that uh, I'm connected with, and they're doing incredible work, other pro-life organizations. When we say that like it's not good for a baby to be ripped away from their mother, there is also certain situations where they're talking to women going into that abortion clinic and saying, I, my community, and my church will take care of your kid. So that's not ripping the baby um, away. That's saying, no, this baby deserves life. And you deserve care, the mother. And know that this is a decision that is despicable. It's you playing God. It's you deciding that this kid does not deserve Life, yes, there's a lot of really heavy, tough uh, conversations that happen and tough circumstances where, yeah, like there's a lot of people that just don't have the right value system when they have sex. Sex is intended for marriage, a covenant relationship between a man and a woman before God. But we have a lot of sex that's just pushed out there and people are doing it and they're like, well, I can get out of this. Um, but know that not just the baby life that you're going to take, that's going to hurt your life uh, and everybody's surrounding there. So like, we will take care of your kid. Or if you want to keep your child, our church will come around you and support you to make sure um, that you can find uh, a way forward. So that's not the same as this surrogacy conversation we're having here but it all comes down to like you said godlessness we all idolize something we all make an idol out of something all of us want to be our own god i mean the first lie that we see uh really um thrown out in the bible is the serpent saying did god really say that And we see that constantly throughout our culture and society. It's like, did God really say that marriage is between one man and one woman? Did God really say that uh, every single person is knit in their mother's womb and they have innate value and worth? Did God really say 
um, that homosexuality is an abomination. Did God really say this? Did he really say that? We are constantly throwing that in our face. And there's a lot of people that do a very good job of packaging things as Christians in order to get votes, in order to get likes, in order to get followers, and in order to get money. And since a lot of people are biblically illiterate, they have no idea how to discern these things because they're not filtering it through Scripture because most of the time they're not actually studying Scripture. Sure, I can look at myself and say, like, there's more than I could do, uh, but I'm so glad to be surrounded by people that help me discern um, what is right, what is wrong, what is righteous, and what is not. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like community, it always comes back to community, especially in today's age where it feels like the <laughs> i can hear my son running around upstairs so sorry if my <laughs> my brain gets all discombobulated no, so i have you're just, father you're just brain going for, like the thump up there <laughs> yeah oh, there pretty much <laughs> yep pretty much uh, i could hear him put running his trucks back and forth uh are you uh side tangent or hopefully it's not too personal are you planning on having kids at some point yeah would love would love to have kids uh sarah's meant to be a mom and i, I think that's I, I don't think I've ever dated somebody where I'm like, wow, this person's going to be an incredible mother. I've been like dated some people where it's like, oh yeah. Like I, I feel like that's something we talk about like later, but she's like, she's a, she's a nanny. She takes care of kids already. Uh, she's just got a heart of gold and yeah, would love to have some kiddos. And then we're thinking about going through the uh, adoption and uh, fostering. Um, that's amazing. Too, uh, at, at some point, uh, cause Sarah's adopted herself and, uh, yeah, that's, that's something that we see, uh, emulated, um, very, very well, good examples from our pastor and, and his wife, um, uh, they've gone through the adoption process and the fostering process. So we'd like to do that too. And yeah, being a dad would be fun. Yeah. I, maybe I, I would definitely get way too rowdy at sports games, just like my dad was, <laughs> but I I'm very excited and, and Sarah will be an amazing mom and, uh, it, it'll be great to see her in that element and. Uh, and everything so i'm I'm excited to, if that's god's will for us to be like biological parents um that would that would be awesome if if not for some reason uh we're happy to go through that adoption process well i'll definitely be praying for y'all when you do plan on uh, having a kid it's just something uh changes you it actually was something i was talking about i was doing another just a video where you see this trend on tiktok now where it's one the trend the classic trend of you don't need to get married but that's played out but now there's another thing's popping up with uh dinks i don't know if you've seen that happen dinks dual income no kids oh yeah 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 I've that's a new a lot of those like going viral and stuff yeah. yeah there's a lot of uh dink pushing happening where it's it always seems like it comes back to this defensive tendency where people and narcissism where they need to put this out and kind of put down a little bit of like people that do have kids, but it always comes from this defensiveness of like, Oh, we, we, we are tired of getting asked of when you're going to have kids. And my thought process is, well, I think uh, God blesses us with the kids for a reason because it gives us this extra fulfillment that we've never had before where once you have a kid there's going to be plenty of highs and plenty of lows <laughs> just um he's only two and i already understand this to an umpteenth degree but it's just at the end of the day uh, when you rest your head it's you feel completely fulfilled as a father and i'm sure 
as a mother, my wife, uh, who's amazing, uh, taking care of him, stays at home. She's awesome. Shout out to you, honey. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just weird how you're seeing this push in secular society of the the no kids thing. It always comes back to let's either murder the kid, let's you know separate it from its parents, or let's just not have kids from the get-go because that seems glamorous and we can save all our money and then we can go on random shopping sprees to Costco or buy some random stuff. And then at the end of the day, you look back and you realize what the heck was I doing with my life? And maybe those people that were asking when you're having kids were trying to, you know, save, save you and because they know something about having kids, but it's just, it's just weird today's society. And, um, I don't know how I'm going to segue this into the next topic that I'm going to discuss. Well, I, got, I got a I got a little response to that one. I think there's a there's two sides to that coin. There's number one, most of us see those videos and it's like, hmm, almost thank God that you guys aren't parents because I'd feel terrible for that kid. But more than anything, kids are now not seen as a joyful thing. They're not seen as a blessing and a gift from God. Uh, and again, it's narcissism. It's selfishness. That's it. It's all about like, well, how am I supposed to go on these trips? And I can't hit the bar anymore. I can't go to the club anymore. And what if I just like want to worry about myself and do just kind of just like a uh, self-improvement day? And like, um, I, I'm trying to think of um, Parks and Rec. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm going blank, but they have something along the lines of like, treat yourself, treat yourself, yes, yeah. treat yourself, and that's the um, mentality that's the, of all. That's the millennials or Gen Zers now, literally, and that's that's where um, if we start getting people to understand that, uh, I believe it's a command to be fruitful and multiply. That also does not mean that you need to go and have like a zillion different kids um just right away um because i know we in in my friend group i got an amazing group uh, of friends out here a bunch of us guys have been in a bible study for a while and uh they're they're all married to some amazing women a lot of them uh, just had kids fairly recently and then i know another um amazing couple uh that have decided not to have kids yet uh but also like just encouraging them to be like you know we're asking but we're also not thinking little of them because they haven't had kids yet. Um, but knowing that there are these people out there, dinks, whatever, what a funny, <laughs> silly. Also, I just wouldn't want to be known as a dink. Oh yeah, those people <laughs> are dinks. Um, but yeah, that's what it comes down to. It's just a godlessness again. And it's about uh, the elevation of self. You have now idolized yourself over everything. And I know it's good. I know parenting is difficult. But also, too, I've heard more than anything, it's so rewarding. And it's great to be growing up, too, and, and realizing um, how much my parents sacrificed uh, for me and how much they continue to care for me, especially leading up to getting married uh, here. It's like I, I love my parents and I respect all my friends and community uh, that are parents as well. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you know, Lord willing, again, if it's, if it's biological kids, that'll be awesome. Uh, if it's adoption or, uh, whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, but like dinks, this kind of stuff, it's, I will feel so bad for a lot of these people when they get towards the end of their life and their friends or people 
in their community are going and seeing their grandkids. They're going to graduations. Um, they're going to some amazing life moments that are more than just about themselves. And they're going to feel incredibly empty, but also knowing that like there still is, I, for, I think there need, there would need to be some sort of forgiveness um, in, in a sense uh, that this is still a rectifiable thing. Um, and that God will, it's not that he, it, he decides to save these people that there's still an understanding of like, yes, in a sense you have wasted your life. Um, but you know, God's all powerful. He's, he's sovereign. He can do anything in the hearts of these people, but I hope they would figure it out before it's too late and towards the end of their life for like, wow, I really was selfish. I really was narcissistic. And I really am missing out on thinking about people more than myself that would actually bring me the value, joy, and fulfillment I'm desperately looking for. They may feel it even sooner uh, because I was thinking about this when it, when it comes to dual income. If you surround yourself with, say, because I have uh, friends that are um, uh, still from high school, but if you surround yourself with friends who, over time, they start having kids, you start noticing that you don't, it's not that you don't love them, it's just you don't want to not even don't associate with them. You just don't conversate with them as much because they're not in the same stage of life as you. Like if somebody is about to get married and you have kids, you still can have that conversation because you can relate and they're talking about wanting to have kids and then you can communicate on that level. But if there's somebody that you're married, you have kids and they're still out partying or going to clubs and all that, you just can't relate to them nearly as much so you're not going to talk to them as much and that's when you start seeing that separation between your initial community groups and that's where you can maybe see loneliness happen and people start you know purchasing dogs or cats or some kind earlier and earlier which is again sad and you, you i just don't how many more uh, videos do you need to see of on tiktok or whatever of these old celebrities or these older women talking about how they're happy but they sound so angry when they do. It's just it, I'm I, telling I you, I'm so happy right now. Look <laughs> at my big house where nobody else is in here. It's just totally mine. I don't know why you guys are angry. I'm I'm angry that you're angry. <laughs> it's just like I'm about to drink this whole bottle of wine. Look at me how happy I am. And because, I you know myself. I didn't need a man to do it for me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's much. it's mind blowing. It's it just seems like we don't learn from the past. There's a lot wiser people in the past. Um, it's just frustrating. But I guess I'll transition finally to uh, sports because that's one of the uh, one of the main coverages that you do or main things you focus on. I see a few jerseys. Is that a Chiefs jersey? Yeah, over your a, shoulder. That's a Harrison Bucker jersey right there. That's not a uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, jersey. There's a number seven. So I know some people are like, <laughs> "Oh, you got a cap jersey up there?" It's like actually that would be kind of like an epic troll. But uh, <laughs> this is my uh, college football jersey uh, up oh, there nice. from the Pacific. Um, but yeah, love sports. Yeah, again for everybody. Like yeah, I, I worked in sports media for a while as a hosting reporter, and my dream was always to be working for a major broadcasting company. Like I watched the show called dream job on espn it was all about competing to be an anchor on sports center mm. like dude that was the best before we really had smartphones or anything like that like you got all your highlights from from sports center and you had people like Stuart scott they were there and they had like their own uh catchphrase and lingo and stuff and i was like yeah that's what i want to do i want to be around sports 
Uh, it's the ultimate unifier or has the ability to be the ultimate unifier. And it, it was just a, a, a beautiful thing to you know, be involved in sports media. But now it's, it's totally changed. It's become very godless and unbelievably woke. Yeah, and speaking of Kaepernick, kind of perfect segue. When it, it seems like the the media, at least with sports media, it's now more focused on the the victim narrative instead of. I guess this is what happens when you become Christless. Instead of focusing on the hero narrative or the heroic narratives of a lot of sports athletes, where they, in a, a mirror, a very small mirror like image of Christ, you know, taking his cross and and burdening all of our sins. But there was something in the past you would see in Sports Center where they would talk about the heroic feats of all these different athletes, of whether they're playing injured or they were going out doing this, or they, they hit a home run in a very clutch moment when you know no one expected them to. And now it's just focused. There's a lot of hot takes, so to speak. It's a lot of just arguing back and forth. It's a lot of it's polit uh, politics have gotten into it too much and the victim narrative as a whole do, do you did you see that coming or was it a, a slow process or was it just the result of the world moving away from Christ what what, what are your in, in intonations about all of that yeah well working in San Jose California so the San Francisco Bay Area I mean that Ooh. is just the epicenter of woke and then I mean mm -hmm. I was I was living in the area just right down the road where Colin Kaepernick took a knee. Uh, and I think this is something that we didn't really notice would be in institutions like sports uh, is Marxism. So we're seeing intersectionality. So you're talking about like that victimhood hierarchy. You got the oppressor and then you got the oppressed. And then in sports, it's always been about meritocracy. But now there's so much push here about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So there's so much talk about having not just equal opportunity, but equal outcomes. There's so much talk about, oh, look at the amount of starting black quarterbacks we have. Uh, this is historic. Oh, look at this coach over here that didn't get a job because he was black. And now we have the, the Rooney rule where every single um, team has to be hiring, not hiring, but at least interviewing a black or minority candidate for a head coaching job like this isn't about meritocracy anymore so did i see aspects of this coming into sports i mean i think i was naive to some stuff because man i mean i i started working in sports specifically like when i started interning uh in college I, you know i was in the 2010s and you know there's I, I think I saw, especially in the Bay Area, they had a lot of, like, uh, stop using the word gay. Uh, I, I remember there was a commercial for that on NBC Sports. And I remember, like, growing up, too, and I was like, dude, like, everybody said that in the football locker room or, like, all the guys said it. But it was never just, like, a um, like super derogatory thing. But that's when it got turned into, like, you see the infusion infusion of lgbtq stuff a big thing that happened in california obviously was gay marriage being legalized uh and then pride nights uh were just a celebration of marriage equality but it's pride nights aren't about a celebration of marriage equality under the law now it's just transgenderism that runs rampant you got guys cosplaying women shaking their rumps in front of these minors um you got 
ticket proceeds for some of these Pride Night games that are going to the body mutilation of minors through things like the Trevor Project and other other groups like that. So the Kaepernick thing happened. You see the social justice stuff that starts playing in there, and then you really start to understand that the vast majority of the sports media institution is very left-wing. And then when you have a polarizing figure like Trump, who I think we all appreciated that it's just like, dude, like stand the heck up and respect the flag. Like obviously everybody could try to debate about how you go about your tone and, um, you know, explaining that stance, but plain and simple is just like, get your butt up and stand for the flag. And if you don't stand for the flag, um, you should probably just get the heck out of here. Uh, and that might be harsh for, for some people, but in general, the story of Colin Kaepernick, who he really kneeled for, what was his breaking point? A guy wielding almost a nine-inch knife and refusing to cooperate with police after a stabbing. That's, like, technically it's an unarmed person, but he's wielding a knife and not cooperating uh, with police. And then Kaepernick's going and he's wearing uh, socks uh, with cops displayed as pigs. Uh, and then you're seeing all the sports media defend that and all these other narratives that are being pushed all left wing. Like we're going to, they're going to get mad at Tim Tebow and think that he's making a major scene because he's Tebowing. He's praying to God, but it's no problem with Colin Kaepernick it makes it all about him. Like Tebow never went in like the middle of the field. And he's like, Oh, look at me. I'm praying to God. It's like Kaepernick made it all about him, but they sports media started to show their cards. And uh, for me, I think the big kicker, I know this is a long answer, but when I was working for the Sharks and that job again was such a massive blessing. Some of the best times in my life, I think will always be being a host and reporter for the San Jose Sharks, a team I grew up watching as a kid. I was the in arena host. So people that came into the, the game, I was the, guy emceeing everything getting people hyped up and we had some epic games one of the greatest comebacks and i think sports history uh was that comeback in game seven against uh the golden knights um coming back from from three goals down and like some amazing moments but we had what used to be is a hockey is for a hockey is for everyone night which was like a big initiative throughout the month so it's like kids that are disabled uh, let's figure out a way to get them to like play hockey and provide them the means, uh, get them connected to the organization. You got kids that might not have the means to be able to buy uh, hockey equipment because hockey is a very, very expensive sport. Uh, and then, yes, the LGBTQ stuff started getting infused. So uh, a biological girl on the Junior Sharks team came out as a boy. And what they did was they honored that girl and had a standing ovation uh, from the crowd as she dropped the puck for hockey is for everyone night. That was one of the most saddening things I'd ever seen. Uh, but also at the same time, the sharks always sharks and the warriors, any team I really worked for always respected the fact that I was not going to wear pride stuff or do any sort of pride ad reads or anything that involved uh, LGBTQ. But now there's no chance I'd ever get a job. There's no chance um, that I could be a host for a team or a reporter and say, I will not bring these things up. 
or I refuse to wear uh, the Rainbow Sharks logo or Warriors logo or whatever it may be. It's totally shifted and it's now turned into you have to go along with these things or else you're a bigot and you're hateful. That's what we saw with the pride jersey situation in the NHL. So I saw the shift and especially when the pandemic hit, I was like, all right, I can't just go guns blazing um, with this. And I was always very strong in my faith and uh, my political leanings. But that's why I always tell people, you can't just go out there and then just spew the truth. Even though it's the truth, you got to be calculated about it. You've jumped into a line of fire. So I knew if I went out there and I was extra strong on some things like I am now, like everything I worked for would be gone. Um, So I had to be a little bit more calculated, but like God had it in his will for me to just get canceled and be pushed into a, a different situation. And it's so sad to see where sports is gone because we still have end racism in the end zone. We still have plenty of virtue signaling that's happening. But plain and simple, people want to go to sports as an outlet away from politics and away from the struggles of life. But unfortunately, during the pandemic, when you saw BLM getting pushed, a lot of pride nonsense uh, getting pushed, um, and you have the WNBA and the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, you know, really standing up for criminals. That's when it got to a point for people. It's like, I can't support this. I'm not buying jerseys. I'm not buying tickets. I'm not buying Game Pass. And I just, I desperately want to get away from politics and the nonsensical uh, debates about things like that are rooted in my truth and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and all man-made, godless institutions and, and ideologies. So I think we're pushing back. Things, things are uh, slowly but surely getting better. Um, and because it's like it's been a go woke go broke situation i know that's a very long answer but hopefully that gives people a clear understanding of you know why i really do what i do i share what i share and that it's such a blessing to be able to have a platform where i can't get canceled i can't cancel myself so i i'm I'm now at a place where i can cover those things and i know turning point gave me some opportunities to um you know fund a a trip to go see uh Will Thomas compete against women in the swimming championships uh, and other uh, pretty crazy things that I was able to provide some coverage for and uh, really fight back through uh, through content and truth and uh, really important conversations. Yeah, that's great. Do you, it's good that we're having these conversations and more are coming to light. And I think more information, I guess, quality information, not the type of information you get on X or Twitter or TikTok, where it's just a fire hose of information, but quality information, like for instance, the documentary, What is a Woman? I thought that was really well done. And it's just very straightforward, poignant to just right to the point of the difficulties in today's society of just how crazy we've gotten with just asking a simple question like that. Do you, being like your sports background and have any clue, is it mostly like the organizations that are, that push this anti-Christian agenda like that just go along with the the, the organization or the league that just puts out this uh, information and says go for it I, I think wasn't it recently there was a baseball team the texas rangers that didn't go to go with the pride night and they actually recently just won which is a, a nice god coincidence right there but uh just um but what is your inclination on that do the organizations want this or is it just something that's being pushed or they'll be punished if they don't go do you have any clue on that yeah because i know with the texas rangers them winning the world series 
Um, I put a tweet out there that said, uh, the only team in the MLB that doesn't celebrate Pride Night is going to the World Series. And I know that that went like semi-viral. And then I was like, I would love to see them win the World Series. I was, I, like, I'm living out here in Phoenix, so I was like rooting for the Diamondbacks too. Like, Unfortunately, I'm an Oakland A's fan that are going to turn into the Vegas uh, athletics or whatever they're going to end up doing. Uh, I mean, e- either way, I was like, this is, this is going to be a fun series. But I put out a tweet that said, the only team in the MLB that doesn't celebrate Pride Night just won the World Series. It's like, of course, that doesn't have any, like, I'm not going to say that, like, oh, God bless the Texas Rangers because they decided not to have a Pride Night. But it's, it's one of those things that is a cool story, and it's kind of a little bit of a troll. Um, but it's a beautiful thing because they're like, no, we're, we're not going to do this because they know that if you give um, this established LGBTQ alphabet mafia an inch, they're going to take a mile. It's no longer going to be about like, oh, yeah, we celebrate gay marriage. It's like, no, now you need trans people around. No, now you need to show that you're an ally. No, then you need to do this. And then you need to do that. And then it's just like it's a never ending association with that group. And I I was really happy to see the Texas Rangers do that. And I think what we're seeing um, now, too, is advertisers have a lot of power. So if we shift over to. Uh, the name change of some of these teams like the Washington Post is one of the most left-wing publications out there and they were doing polls with Native Americans for decades the vast majority of Native Americans did not find the Redskins offensive actually quite the contrary the majority of them said it was nice to have some sort of representation in the National Football League but what ha- they don't want that representation no no it's just like <laughs> but it, but in general like they um these groups were not offended we now have white liberals that are somehow supposed to speak for these minority groups and these native americans to say like no that's offensive it's like no why don't you ask the people that are actually native american if that's offensive and you have left wing publications that are freely sharing and have shared for decades that they are not offended by it but what happened was um in Washington, it's, I think it still might not be anymore, but FedEx Field. FedEx said, said they were going to take the naming rights away. And the most money made, I, I'm pretty sure people can fact check me on this, but I know naming rights for a stadium, I think is the biggest money that um, a team can make through like a corporate sponsorship. Yeah, you can have corporate sponsors for like a club level or for a game or other things like that. But if you have naming rights of a field, I'm pretty sure that's the most money you can make through a a corporate partnership. And that's major money that they were trying to pull. And they decided to, and it's not just on the advertisers, but there's a lot of power uh, there. And then also too, there's, um, the the NFL and MLB and all these other groups, they're in cahoots with the government. Like we saw with Major League Baseball, they decided to pull the All-Star game from Atlanta, which was a predominantly black community um, because of what Joe Biden called Jim Crow 2.0, just because they were saying people need to have a valid ID to vote in an election. They said that that was like one of the most awful things that could happen. And then where did they move the all-star game to Colorado? And then they're going to pretend like they care about these, uh, these, these minority groups 
um, or the black community, it's because they were pushed from the government to make this decision. But that, and then now what's happening in 2025, uh, I think, yeah, 2025, they're bringing the all-star game to Atlanta. Like Robert Manfred, the MLB commissioner said that's going to happen. And nothing's changed about their voting laws. Nothing. So, like, you know, these decisions are made for virtue signaling and they're being pushed by the government to make these decisions and they're cowering. And, you know, another thing that was beautiful, um, the last MLB champion um, or actually, yeah, before. So the Rangers, they were the only team not to have a pride night and they won the World Series. The Atlanta Braves had their all-star game stolen from them because they, uh, the Georgia told people that you didn't have an ID to vote. They won the World Series. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in 2024. Like, hopefully the team that is involved in some sort of, like, political uh, craziness, they're probably – I'd put the money on that team to win the World Series uh, <laughs> most likely. So, but those, those kind of things, it's um, – it's multifaceted, and that's why I'm happy to look into this stuff more uh, because I know a lot of people have been turned off to sports, and they're like, John, why would you ever like continue to watch sports and be involved in this? It's like, this is literally an outlet that we desperately need. You go to a game, and it's like, Adam, I don't, I don't know what sports you like or even if you are a sports fan, but like, if you go to a game, you could care less what the person to your right and your left, who they voted for, what their sexual orientation is. You're just like, either I just want to have a good time at this game and enjoy this with whatever this community is here, or I'm really rooting for that team. You're going to root for the other team, and we're going to fight about that. You don't care, like religion, creed, anything like that. That's the place where we can connect and form a community around meritocracy, around something that you know, eternally, who wins the World Series, who wins the Super Bowl doesn't matter. But it's a fun outlet um, away from everything else. And then also sports, too. Like, we don't need to see this nonsense in kids' sports. Like, they don't need to worry about diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, equal outcome stuff, um, you know, social justice initiatives. Like, these kids need to learn about teamwork, they need to learn about discipline. And they need to learn some of the most amazing qualities that have helped make me like who I am today. Uh, some of the aspects of, uh, you know, the really tough stuff I had to go through with my teammates and even playing division two college football. Like I would never give up those, um, those plays, those practices, those weightlifting sessions or anything for, for anything else. Like I learned so many amazing things. Um, growing up playing sports and and kids kids need that desperately absolutely and it it seems like maybe my perspective is wrong but it seems like there's more players coming out now talking about crisis i mean i've seen who is it the texas quarterback cj shroud yeah, is CJ one shroud, of them yeah uh tua from miami tua tonga Bailoa. Yeah, I'm not going to pronounce that last name. <laughs> I struggled with ben's last name i'm not, I'm not pronouncing that one uh the uh, saints linebacker he also was a while oh, back. Yeah, I'm I'm going Blake going Blake on his name, but yeah. But it's really good to see that there's some players out there talking and preaching uh, about Christ, and hopefully with their conviction, maybe they can start uh, bringing people on their team or people that watch them uh, to the Lord. So, and that's that, the beautiful that's thing really... when we hear people like C.J. Stroud bring up not just God but Jesus Christ, like His mm -hmm. Lord and Savior, not just like this whole idea because people could hear like. 
LeBron has mentioned God, but like mm. when people say God, they can mean multiple different things. But when you say Jesus Christ, that is a whole, very specific. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. That is like on point right there. We understand what you believe, but I know too, like to get people caught up, like there's a big thing happening in the NFL right now. I, I think it's over the next few weeks or it might've just been this last week. They have an initiative called My Cause, My Cleats. So you can represent a specific organization that you're supporting financially or you just mm. want to be promoted. So I know I'm, I'm pulling this up here, but Kendall Fuller, he's a, um, he's a team captain for the uh, Washington Commanders. I always want to call them the Redskins, but uh, he supported a fellowship of Christian athletes on his cleats. And then there was a publication awesome. called Out Sports that's all about LGBTQ issues. And they basically just tried saying that um, this is an organization that opposes same-sex marriage and bans LGBTQ people from leadership and that he should somehow be chastised for it. Uh, they tried going after Kirk Cousins because he had focus on the family uh, on his cleats. And we got to know that like we have to stand up for these people. So like stand up for Kirk Cousins, Stand up for Kendall Fuller. Stand up for um, Ivan Provorov, uh, the guy that was the first player uh, in the NHL to refuse to wear the Pride jersey. Uh, the Stahl brothers decided not to. Um, and uh, James Reimer from the Sharks. Like When these players, these Christian athletes, they're not coming out and saying, I hate gay people. Like No, they're just saying, like I support this Christian organization, or I hope that you respect my religious beliefs, um, that we were created male and female, that marriage is between one man and, and one woman, um, that you would respect that. And seriously, the most uh, unaccepting people are the LGBTQ folks and their allies. So when an athlete gets attacked for this, I would highly suggest supporting them. And a cool thing that happened with the Flyers player, uh, Provorov, was his jersey sold out in like minutes online. That's a great way to fight back because those those numbers don't lie. You don't always mm -hmm. have to go super hard on social media or anything like that that might you know get you in some hot water uh, with your with your career or something like that. But you can fight back with your dollar, and uh, it's a beautiful thing to see people do that. And we should stand up for these athletes. Completely agree. I completely agree. Um, and I guess we'll just, because it's already been, uh, wow, this hour has flown by. <laughs> uh, uh, but I guess we'll wrap it on, uh, wrap it up on uh, where do you see this going? And do you have uh, suggestions on how people can maybe improve their, their uh, relationship with Christ? And um, uh, let's just wrap it up on, on that. Yeah, I, I would say something that God's really stirring in my heart is I become so much more pessimistic. Um, so there's definitely times where I, I am definitely involving myself in some heavy theological conversations at times, uh, some heavy political conversations at times. And, but still at the same time, like, like there's so much joy that we find in our life and we have to constantly thank God for the blessings in our life. And even some of the hurts and the struggles that we that we go through. So when we talk about something like faith, like please get into a solid church and dive into that community and serve at that church. If you don't have spiritual mentors, if you're not going through some form of discipleship or you're not in a community group, you need that. We are made for community. 
Uh, so dive into that. Uh, I know I'm excited for for marriage too, and learning more about um, you know just kind of growing as a protector and provider and, and a leader that that God desperately wants me to be, and that Sarah should expect me uh, to be. For sports, I see this getting to a place if we decide to continually stand up that sports will get better. Um, you're still going to see the virtue signaling. I don't think that's going away. You're still going to see some social justice initi initiatives. Uh, you're probably going to see a, a league like the NBA is always probably going to be one of the worst. Uh, the WNBA is something that people don't even watch anyway. I respect those women for their athletic ability. Um, but like that's one of the wokest leagues uh, in sports. There's a reason that people don't buy the tickets. They don't buy the jerseys. They don't support it. Uh, but you got other leagues like the, uh, the NHL has made uh, changes. They decided they're not wearing any specialty jerseys, including pride jerseys in, in warmups, uh, because not only players stood up, uh, but that fans encouraged them and fans stood up as well, because your money means a lot. You guys buy the single game tickets. You, go, you guys buy the merchandise. You guys buy the season tickets. You tune into the broadcast. Like You have an amazing ability to make uh, a difference, and you can really encourage people just say that these things that are an abomination don't deserve to be in sports and not saying that, like, I know I've even mentioned to people, I've done some plenty of man on the street content. I'm not saying we need to have a Christian night where everybody wears a cross Jersey and it says, Jesus is Lord in the back. Like we know, no, like we, we don't need that, but we need to make sure that this, um, wokeness needs to be out of sports. So I could see it slowly, but surely getting better, but also don't be surprised if something crazy happens in this next election um, and the stuff that gets pushed at you, especially we're still going to see a lot of COVID stuff that's pushed at us. Like um, you're, you're constantly going to see the, uh, the Pfizer commercials uh, in, in college football, college basketball, the NFL. So like those things are going to, are going to be there, but you can make a huge difference by standing up and standing on uh, God's word and make a difference with um, the money. That, that God's blessed you in, in your pocket. Uh, and then I think politically, finally, is people need to be able to discern priceless conservatism. You need to understand, too, that we are always voting for a lesser of two evils. Um, but at the same time, you might support a specific candidate. So like me coming in here, I'll say freely, like I'm more of a DeSantis guy. But like, again, if Trump's going to be the nominee, uh, most likely I'm going to be voting for him. Um, and, but of course, I, as a Christian, I don't see the ability for us to justify voting Democrat. I, I like, they are completely godless. There's the, re, there's no redeeming qualities over there. I don't think anything could be backed up uh, to support a Democrat um, whatsoever. So start discerning these things, uh, start holding these politicians and these political parties and um, these conservative institutions to account and knowing that like, this country is about we, the people. We hire these people to work for us. These people should not be our idols. And also, too, revival doesn't come through, like, Donald Trump. Revival comes through uh, repentance of how we turned away from God and totally disregarded the blessing of this country and what he's given us individually and collectively. So, like, start just, like, continue to have these, like, tough conversations. And um, if anybody wants to follow me, it's at Johnny Root underscore on instagram and twitter i'm also on youtube at john roots i usually i post a lot more shorts than i do uh anything else i've tried to do some long form videos but i'm trying to figure out a little bit more of what that looks like 
this next year, but it's, it's a huge blessing to be able to, you know, jump on podcasts like this, just talk about what God's done through my life, how I'm continuing to learn and how I can um, really try to do whatever I can to, to give people the truth, to have tough conversations and encourage people to, to do what they can to find some joy and joy that really only comes through the Lord. That's a, a great way to end it off. And uh, I, I think that was a, a, a beautiful send off. Um, and talk, I don't want to stop your send off because I just wanted to build off of one thing you mentioned about the pessimism. I've noticed for me personally is that once I started focusing more on the Lord himself and praying to Jesus and uh, focusing more on that aspect, for some reason, like the weight of the politics and everything lift off my shoulders because I just give it all to him because he's in control, right? He's going to make the decisions that are right in the long run. It may not feel right at that moment in time, but it's going to all turn out well in the end, I truly believe. So that's, uh, I guess. No matter what, no matter what kind of eschatology you have, you could be a post mill and you think everything's going to be, become better. Sure, there's going to be a fight, uh, no doubt. Uh, you think it's going to get better before Jesus comes back or you're more like pre-millennial thinking things are going to get way worse um, uh, before Jesus comes back. No matter what, like we were called to make disciples. Um, we're called to like still find joy in, in the struggle and knowing that like this is not about this place being our home. Like we're we're fighting for our eternal home in heaven in perfect relationship uh, with Christ. And I think that's a that's a beautiful thing. You, you bring it up. Uh, that way is every politician and political party will fail you. So when we get into this election season, you will be failed. But also at the same time, like understand that we can't team up with evil to fight evil and somehow think that that's going to become good. Like you need to fight with the truth, fight with God's word, and other people in your community and in your church community to make sure that this country uh, represents God well and that we hold people to account that if they're going to call themselves a Christian, they have now put themselves in a category where they are beholden uh, to God's word. And if you have people that are going and getting felt up in theaters after spouting all these conservative ideologies, if you got people that are joking about withholding sex from their fiance that they're living with uh, and joking about that before they're at a prayer breakfast. Uh, If you got people that are trying to tell you that uh, heartbeat bills are are terrible, that's not an indictment on their whole being, but some of these people do not deserve to be on platforms representing Christ. And we're all at times we're going to fall short, but we need to hold these politicians to account and they will fail you and they deserve accountability. Like let's bring accountability back. Amen, brother. Hey, all. I hope you enjoyed this conversation that I had each and every week. I'm trying to bring people of faith, followers of Christ onto this, how we can improve our faith journey, how we can better understand God and uh, learn from one another, because that's the best way we can grow as individuals is to learn from others that have more wisdom than we do. Me specifically, I love learning. And if you do enjoy this type of content, please like the video if you're watching on YouTube or 
you know, if you are on a podcast app, I don't know if there's a, a like feature as well, but you can always, if video or podcast, you can always share this episode. Let them know that you really enjoyed refactoring my Christianity, trying to bring some cool faith conversations each and every week. So go do that. And if you want to go join the my community, adambuckingham.locals.com, where you can support the podcast and myself, and you can also interact with fellow followers of Christ. We're trying to grow that community so we can interact one-on-one. I want it to be an area where all people of faith, all people of Christianity, of different sects, we can try to come together and just realize that we have the foundation of loving Christ, and let's try to build up a community together. So please go there as well. And until next time, have a good one and keep praying to the Lord above. Bye.